Welcome back to the Colorado Fire Podcast. Uh, we're here today with Matt Araki. He is an investigator with West Metro Fire and Rescue, and he's going to be talking to us today about fire origin and cause investigations, and particularly when those investigations turn into criminal investigations. So, Matt, thanks for being here today with us. Um, can you introduce yourself and give our listeners a bit of your background, especially in regards to fire origin and cause investigations? And make sure you tell us about how you got started in this profession and what motivates you to keep going. Uh, yeah, will do. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah. It's an honor to be here. I've heard some of the other podcasts. It's pretty cool. My name is Matt Araki. I'm a fire investigator for West Metro Fire. I got my start in 2001 with Inner Canyon Fire. Uh, just retired this March after 22 years-ish. Yeah. Um, started with West Metro in 2006. Uh, went to paramedic school in 2009. Ran a lot of calls. <laughs> nice. uh, and then uh, went to started doing fire investigation in 2014. Wow. Um, started taking classes and whatnot, got my certification uh, in 2015, and then started doing fire investigations along with my other duties as a firefighter and paramedic. Um, and uh, I mean, that's kind of, that's basically where I started. Uh, the thing about fire investigation is that it appeals to my, it's kind of a, a technical aspect of what we do and it appeals to my technical nature. I've spent a lot of time troubleshooting uh, electronics and avionics and, and recording studios and things like that. And people come up with a problem or have a problem or something breaks. It was always my responsibility to uh, determine the, you know, what caused it to break, why it broke and how I could fix it. So it was kind of reverse engineering yeah. the uh, problems that people had with their, you know, their gear and whatnot. And that really, I feel like that really translated to fire origin and cause because now I have to determine the origin, figure out why it happened, how it happened, you know, and move on from there. And so that really appealed to my reverse engineering yeah. technical nature. And so that's, that's what got me interested in it. Uh, the, uh, the thing that keeps me, me going with it is that it's, there's no, there's no two fires there. I mean, fire is fire is fire. Yeah. But there's no two fires when you investigate them. There's no two fires that are exactly alike. And so there's always different aspects of the origin and cause. Um, and that appeals to me because it's, it's always different. Yeah. It's the same, but always different. And I mean, ultimately, I think it's a great job. This is kind of my, this is where I'm going to be for the rest of my career as nice. an investigations. So. Very good. And so today we're talking not only about origin and cause investigations, but also that added element of the criminal side of it. And um, so you, you explained how you got into the origin and cause investigation side of it. But in addition to that, you're post-certified. How did you get into that? Was it just a job requirement or was it something that interested you and you pursued? So it, it was a job requirement. Uh -huh. um, I went through... Um, I went through the Post Academy. It's actually Jefferson County Sheriff's Office, Lakewood Police Department, Regional Combined Regional Academy. Wow. Talk about acronyms. No yeah. kidding. It basically doesn't even fit on a plaque. <laughs> um, but that was in uh, 2020. Okay. So I was certified as a post law enforcement officer as well wow. as a deputy sheriff for Jefferson County Sheriff. It's, it's a different aspect that most investigators don't get to see. 
yeah. we're we're kind of associated with it on the outside or you know peripherally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you actually get into the law side of it, there's it takes on a whole a whole nother aspect. Uh, you get to or we as post investigators, we have the potential to obviously we show up, do the origin and cause of the fire, but then we get we have the opportunity to take it all the way into a prosecution and um, potentially conviction. Yeah. And that's, you know, we generally have some sort of uh, law, like a, a full-time law enforcement uh, person, usually an investigator that kind of, you know, shepherds us along, make sure we dot all of our I's and cross all of our T's because, again, it is, it, it's now part of the law. And so when it comes to standing there in, in the court and everything, um, we have to have, you know, we have to have everything dialed in order to follow or to get it through to the very, yeah. maybe the bitter end. Yeah. So. Well, you've had a unique journey because you, you've not only been a firefighter paramedic, so you've seen the, the suppression side of things, but now you're dealing with the investigation side of things, and now you can take it all the way through to the courtroom. So that's that's pretty unique. I think when we talked on the phone, we talked about how you're kind of a unicorn. And so um, with that additional uh, added certification of, of post certification. Um, how does that change your approach to investigations that you're involved in or does it? It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily ta- change the approach. The approach is basically the same. It's the origin and cause. Mm-hmm. It's the follow-up and the aftermath that changes because now we as uh, certified law enforcement officers, we move on to the criminal or the law the criminal aspect of it and potentially take it all the way to, to prosecution and conviction. And so now we have to consider, you know, how are we handling the evidence? You know, yeah. how are we, uh, what, what other resources do we need, et cetera, et cetera, in order to take this, you know, to, uh, to its completion. So you mentioned the evidence. So as a post-certified investigator, are you doing the majority of your evidence collection and preservation, or do you handle that in a different way? So we will start with the evidence collection and preservation, uh-huh. and if we need, uh, say, a criminal or a, um, a scene investigator, or not a scene investigator, but a, like the CSI type people, uh-huh. um, we'll get them. We'll involve them because they're the ones that are the the experts on that sort of thing. We do go through a lot of classes and things like that, evidence collection classes and things. We have a couple coming up in, in July or August. Nice. But we have to be really, really careful with that kind of stuff because now it's, you know, we have the potential to be taking um, somebody's uh, liberties and somebody's freedoms away. And we have to make sure that, you know, we've got all our ducks in a row when it comes to all the evidence and, and, you know, running things through crime labs, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, and West Metro is such a big district. You you probably have to have these relationships with several different law enforcement agencies. We work we work with uh, uh, primarily Jefferson County and Lakewood Police Department, but we also have relationships and work with uh, Wheat Ridge Police, wow. uh, Golden. You know, any just all the foothill agencies, yeah. uh, Douglas County. Yeah, it's uh, we have. There's we're surrounded by law enforcement agencies that we have relationships with. We also, the other fire districts and whatnot, you know, we have to have uh, relationships with them as well because sometimes they will call us in to help out. I bet. Things like that. Yeah. No, it's just an added added complexity I didn't think about when we first started talk. So, um, 
you, you've already mentioned some of it, but what's what's the advantage to being post-certified as a origin and cause investigator? Uh, basically, starting with the origin and cause, and then having the ability to take it all the way through the criminal justice system to, you know, ultimately a prosecution and conviction if that's the way it goes. Yeah. So we have. We have the opportunity to do all those sorts of things. Now you're talking, you know, warrants, affidavits, all, wow. all that sort of thing. Um, preparing a preparing a case for the DA, getting that to them. If there's an arrest, that has to be done within 48 hours of that person's arrest. So we do have the advantage of getting to see the entire process all the way through to the very yeah. end. Uh, and the other good thing, and I, I'm pretty sure the cops appreciate it, is we can take a little bit off of their... I bet. Um, you know, off of their table because they are so busy doing that, some of this stuff. And I think any any assistance we can give them is is greatly appreciated. Yeah. Well, and I'm just thinking, I, I know what the mountain of paperwork looks like for an origin and cause investigation. Your mountain must just be well, we tremendous. En- we end up with two different mountains. You know, we end <laughs> yeah. up with the fire side, the fire yeah. mountain, and then we also end up with the law enforcement side. Um, I would just, you know, I would say go visit go visit one of your local law enforcement agencies and do a ride along with, with the street guys and then do a ride along with the, with the investigators and look at the mountain of paperwork and things that, oh my that those guys or those folks have to go through. Yeah. And so any little bit that we can help out, I'm pretty sure it's appreciated. I bet you so. Yeah. Um, when the investigation shifts from one that's been focused on determining origin and cause to one that's not likely to be criminal in nature, uh, does your approach change? So again, the approach doesn't really change. It's that whole follow up. Yeah. So when we're when we're talking to folks as origin and cause investigators on a scene, basically we're interviewing somebody. If we, as law enforcement officers, if we interview somebody, and it's we're specifically now talking about um, potential criminal involvement. Mm-hmm. And we have to be because we write a, a a fairly thin line on between in, interrogation oh. and interview, and if it becomes an interrogation thing, then we have to be super careful with Miranda rights and stuff like that. Because if we screw this thing up, like on the very you know at the very beginning, I mean, there's a good chance that it gets thrown out of court. Oh wow! When the when the um, defense attorneys get a hold of you know what it is that we've done, so we have to be. Super careful with what we do because we are certified law enforcement officers. And so we have to act as such. Yeah. Wow. And so knowing there's that thin line, are there other resources, human or otherwise, that you involve just to make sure that you're walking that line? So on the otherwise side, yeah, absolutely. We'll involve the the, um, canines. Okay. So the accelerant detection canines. I know uh, DFPC. Don Tallis has one. My yes. boss, Brian Eberly, he's got, yep. I believe those are the only two canines left in Colorado. So we need a few more of those. Yeah. But we'll involve those. Um, the dogs there will involve, uh, it, it becomes, depending on the complexity and the size of the investigation, it can be very, um, very heavy as far as the amount of uh, personnel needed. You know, I mean, when you're talking about actually going all the way up to like really large cases where you now have a lot of surveillance, you have task forces that need to be formed, you need to involve the feds, ATF, whatever. Yeah. It can be very, very labor intensive. 
Okay. So, yeah, there's all kinds of different resources out there. Again, like I said earlier, the crime labs, you know, involving mm-hmm. the crime labs, um, the evidence lockups, all that kind of stuff. So now you go into the, the, the whole other aspect of it, which is the criminal side or the law enforcement side. Yeah. And so with that, you know, being post-certified, that there, I'm sure there's additional obligations to being a post-certified officer. Is Are there additional obligations under the law once, once you have that? Absolutely. As a sworn law enforcement officer, our primary obligation is to uphold the law. And then if we see things that are of a criminal nature, we need to act because we also have a duty to act. Uh-huh. So, so when we when we take the oath, we're taking the oath just like any other police officer, any other law enforcement officer that's out there. Uh, we are literally we are literally deputy sheriffs for Jefferson County wow. Sheriff's Office, and so again, we do have that duty to act. Um, we it, it's more on it's it's kind of a um, we act on a lesser level than the guys or the guys and gals that do it as, as a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we still have that duty to act. If, if we see something um, we do, we, you know, to uphold the law, yeah. that sort of thing. And so then you, you have the added responsibility of making arrests if you need to. Correct. Wow. So if it comes to the point where we're, we're the only ones there and we need to make an arrest, then absolutely we need to make an arrest. Yeah. Um, we will arrest them. Uh, we can, we will have to read them their Miranda rights. Um, everything else that the cops would do, we have to do that. And then we make sure that we have, you, normally there's law enforcement on scene. Um, we can assist them, but if it comes to the point where there isn't, then we absolutely have to act in that capacity. Wow. And so that, that might potentially put you in some situations that are pretty dodgy to say the least. And so you're probably armed regularly, is that at, when we're on duty, we are armed. We have uh, we're more like plain clothes because we're still yeah. fire department employees. We're not necessarily employees of the law enforcement uh, agencies. Um, so we do have to have uh, a weapon. We do yeah. have to have our badge. Wow. Um, me personally, I like to. I have a kind of an undercover vest that I wear. It doesn't. Yeah. You can tell it's there, but it's not as apparent as like the patrol officers. Right. And so I want to make sure that, you know, A, I'm safe. I want to be able to go home at night if something yeah, were to go wrong. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, we absolutely, we have we have weapons. Um, we have badges. Wow. We have, I keep uh, handcuffs, uh, flashlight, all that kind of stuff with me. So then that probably has the added obligation of you having to recertify with your firearm regularly. So we, uh, for Jefferson County Sheriff's Office, we have quarterly recertifications. It's not really recertifications. It's more like continuing ed. Okay. Because once we're once we're certified as law enforcement officers, as long as we're associated with a law enforcement agency and we maintain our CEs or um, continuing education, mm-hmm. we we don't it, it never expires. It doesn't expire until we retire. And I believe that it's still as long as we maintain our CEs, we're good for three years past our retirement date. Okay, um, don't quote me on that. I'm, that's coming okay. from memory. Yeah, um, but. Absolutely. We, we maintain, um, for post or for Colorado post, it's 24 hours a year that we have to do. And we generally break that up into two or three days. 
and then again for Jefferson County Sheriff's for their the firearms and the rest control and all that stuff. It's quarterly. It's it's eight okay. hours total, but it's quarterly. And then we also have all of the uh, law updates. That's usually online training and stuff like that. So it's it's a fair amount of continuing education to maintain our certifications yeah, well. on top of all of the fire yeah. side of it. So we have you know as as well you know, our you know that the uh, amount of training that we have to do and then maintain for our fire investigation side, right? We have, you know, that's again, like you said, mountains of stuff. Yeah. And in this case, it's the training, and then all of the other fire trainings and paramedic certifications, everything else that I choose to maintain. So it, it becomes quite a uh, quite an intensive. Uh, it sounds like it. Well, yeah. I mean, basically, it's. You've taken two career tracks and combined them into combined one, them into but one, now exactly. you're having to maintain for both. So, wow, that's a lot to think about. But um, And those are some of the aspects that when people think about doing this job and whatnot, they don't necessarily take that into consideration until they actually talk to somebody. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and then I, I believe you have some additional certifications in – over and above, you know, the typical structure fire investigator and now post-certification, I think you have some other certifications, So I have right? all, all my fire certifications, which I started, yeah. you know, from day one. My paramedic certification, which I maintain, I maintain all of them. My, the fire investigation, the post stuff, but I also do, um, I'm what they call an INVF or a NWCG, National Wildfire Coordinating Group, Wildland Fire Investigator, yeah. more, more acronyms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I am a certified wildland fire investigator. And so I can, if we have a federal incident or something like that, um, they can call me and ask me to go uh, investigate, uh, you know, as well as right. doing all of the uh, the wildland fire investigations um, that we, we see, especially in the, in the warmer months. And right now we're actually working on getting a, another um, couple of guys Nice. Um, with that certification so that it's not, you know, it's not just me. Right. Um, right. We got a couple of other guys that are in the in our division or in our unit that are actually really close to getting their INVF certifications as well. Yeah. Well, and it's important here in Colorado, right? Absolutely. There's a lot of wildland. And even in, in West Metro's district, you guys have a lot of wildland even, that you deal with. So. You know, even in the city, you think about, you know, cruising out to like DIA or something like that. You you, yeah. you think about, you look to the north there. Along the highway, and there's the uh, um, what's that? That uh, I forget the name of that wildlife refuge area. That's I can't remember it. You know, what I'm talking I, I about like when you get about. out on yeah. Pena. I yeah. mean, that's a that's uh, yeah. that's a whole uh, you know wildland urban interface area right there. And so that's literally in the middle, you know, in the middle of town. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's everywhere. It's yeah, it touches every district and. So there's definitely that need for those wildland fire investigators because it yeah. is, it's the same sort of thing, but it's a different aspect of the same sort of thing when you investigate those types of fires. Yeah. West Metro is lucky to have you. It sounds like you, you have the a well-rounded um, career and aspect to this. Well, they've definitely provided me with a lot of opportunities, which yeah. I've taken advantage of, which I'm, I, total, I really appreciate because it's, I mean, there's not that... There's a lot of departments out there that do it, but there's not that many departments that have that diversity and that right. opportunity. And, yeah, West Metro has provided me. I'd, obviously, I didn't have to pay for any of it, which is great. Right, right. Uh, but they've 
provided all those opportunities for me to to grow and develop as a not only a firefighter, paramedic, and now an investigator and a, a peace officer. Yeah. Excellent. Well, before we close out here, I just wanted to ask you, do you have any sage advice you'd like to give any of our listeners that are interested in following the career path you've well, that's, chosen? That's one thing I've never been called as a sage. <laughs> I've been called a lot of things. Uh, yeah, I would say when you go to, you know, and this goes to um, all, both wildland and structural fire uh, investigation, you have to have an open mind. You yeah. can't take any of your biases or any of your anything like that and, and bring that into your fire. And what I like to recommend people do is treat every fire as your very first fire. Like the first time you've gotten on a fire, you're, you're kind of questioning, well, what do I do? Oh, my gosh. And yeah. you end up doing – you end up being super thorough and, and you know, looking for things that you may not necessarily look for when you're, you know, old and crusty. <laughs> and so my recommendation is that you treat every fire as if it's your very first fire and look, look at all those things and, and learn. Uh, there's There's – so much education to this aspect of firefighting. And if you approach it as your first fire every single time, you're going to learn something new on every fire. I've investigated a lot of what we call unhoused or homeless fires or homeless caused fires. Uh And it's funny, even though they're roughly the same, there's a different aspect or different, you know, sort of experience that I've learned on every single one of them. And so I try to take those and, and file them away. And I'm, I'm just as guilty as the rest of them, not necessarily, you know, taking every single, taking my own advice and taking every single fire as yeah. my very first fire. But if I were to give some advice to somebody, I would say, if this is something you really want to do, then, then look at it, you know, from that aspect and be honest with yourself and decide if this is absolutely something you want to do. Because again, like we talked about, there's so much uh, education that goes into this and it's quite a commitment as far as time and whatnot. And and a lot of times there's, there's portions of it. That's your own, your own personal time, your time off. Yeah. And so it's something that you really need to consider is this, Hey, is this something I really want to do? Be honest with yourself. If it is, then seek out all the investigators that you can and talk to them about what the job entails and, you know, post investigators, wildland investigators or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, seek, seek those individuals out and get a good, a, a good feeling for what it actually is and, and how much commitment it does take. Cause it is a significant amount of commitment and time. Well, and Matt, I, I appreciate that advice and it's obvious that you're doing what you should be doing. Uh, you have tremendous heart for this and I appreciate you coming and talking with us so much. So Matt Araki, uh, thank you for your time today. And thank you guys. I'm honored to be here. This is the first, you can probably tell by my interview, the first I've ever done this. So I appreciate you uh, seeking me out and asking me to do this. Thank you.